0: Thanks so much for joining us today on the Port City Church podcast. With four campuses scattered throughout southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit our website at portcity.church. Good morning. It's great to uh, see all of you here gathered Uh, In our rooms, welcome all our campuses and those of you who are participating with us uh, online. Today is January the 31st, if you can believe that. It's hard to believe. 2021. And um, today is the last day that you uh, are allowed to pick a word. You have to pick a word today. So if you've not picked your word yet, uh, today's the deadline, midnight tonight. Um, I almost have mine, but I'm not going to... uh, officially select it until tonight. I'm going to kind of create some ritual um, to do that for a lot of reasons. But I think the thing that I always love about this idea or when we think about our words and how we pick them is it always gets you to this idea of life change and how our lives change. And maybe a better question is why we want our lives to change in the first place. Most everybody wants to be different at some level. And a lot of, uh, maybe some of you, come to the church or join a small group or connect with other people hoping that they will help you with the life change that you are looking for. And what I I think happens, and maybe it's my own story, but um, perhaps some of you can relate, there have been times in my life where I was desperate for God to change my life. There were habits there were attitudes. There were things that I struggled with. And I was like, God, if you if you just help me with this, if you just change this, if you just help me to stop this, what's the promise? I'll never ask for anything else, or I promise I'll give money, or I promise I'll go to church every day for the rest of my life, or whatever it is, whatever your bargain was. But you may have had those times when you were desperate for God to change some things about you that made your marriage better, made your finances better, made your circumstances better, or made you feel better about your circumstances. And... Um, What I think has happened is a lot of times, if you're like me, God was faithful, and you experienced some life change, and he changed you just enough to not be annoying to other people, or he changed you just enough so you were like, ah, now my life is going pretty well, but the reality is that there's far more that God is doing and calling out of us, and this has been kind of my own journey for the last you know, seven or eight years, and really pointed over the last uh, two. And the way I think of this maybe most is because I've always thought of myself um, as a nice guy, pretty nice, and get along with people pretty well. Um, But there's definitely some streaks uh, that I'm not as proud of. There's sometimes more self-centeredness than I care to admit, Um, selective compassion. Uh, You know what I mean by that, right? You, You care about the things that only you care about. Uh, and then you have reasons why you care about those ex- at the expense of other things. And uh, one of my favorite movies um, is The Grinch Who Stole Christmas uh, with Jim Carrey, the Jim Carrey version. Uh, I thought he was incredible in it. And there's a scene at the end where uh, Jim Carrey, you know, kind of realizes that Christmas is more than it's stolen Christmas. Have you seen the movie? Y'all have seen the movie, right? Okay. And if you remember this, he, uh, his heart grows uh, three sizes, And he's like, oh, oh, oh. And then he's talking to his dog. He says, oh, Max, you know, I'm feeling, right? And he realizes he's leaking, like tears are coming out of his eyes. He's feeling something. And I'll tell you, part of what this journey has brought me, and really kind of a a point in this particular time today, um, I have found myself really, really burdened for some very specific things. And those specific things aren't issues. They are people who are on the other end of issues that our culture talks about with great certainty and how solutions to these problems are very simple. And if you just do this, if you just accept this, or if you just ban this, or if you just do this or don't do this, then all these things will be taken care of. And I know, and I, and I wish I could, I, I can't tell you the story because it's, it's personal, I don't want to uh, hurt there, but, but there, there are, are people who are far too young to be dealing with the kind of confusion that they are struggling with. And the pressure that's on them and on their parents and on all the relationships around them, it it, it just ripples out. There's other who's on my mind who the system has just left this person in a place. that's made it very difficult for her to find a way forward. And there's a sort of a sense of hopelessness or hope that keeps getting deferred, keeps getting pushed off. I'm reminded, right, Proverbs 13, 12, the hope deferred makes a heart sick. At some point, people will give up. They become desperate. They'll live in despair. They just give up on things. Hope deferred makes a heart shrivel up and just gets, go colder and colder and sicker and sicker until eventually there's no life left in them. And like that's their trajectory. This, this one purpose, Patrick, I, I, I can just see it. That's the trajectory. And if something doesn't happen, this is the trajectory of this person's life. And I'll tell you this morning, I sat over here on the floor. We were they they run through all the music and stuff, and I sat over here on the floor. Uh, just just we we do that in the morning. It's just a way for me to kind of get ready. And um, you know, I literally sat there. And I was like, "All right, God, I'm ready for today. Help me." And all of a sudden, I "I know." I'm like, "I'm leaking." I'm like, I'm I'm not like that guy. And I just realized that when you start really getting serious about God, break my heart for what breaks yours. There's going to be some personal pain involved in it. You're going to see people, you're going to see them as humans, you're going to recognize the things around them, and it's going to bother you in ways that you didn't realize that it it might or maybe more pointedly that you had sort of the luxury not to worry about prior to. And if there's any hope that the church brings to the world, which I believe it is the hope, it is the redemptive agent in the world, it's going to be because you and I decide to really enter into those spaces and do something about it. We've been talking about this idea of life with God together for the world and what this means to be uh, both experiencing God in an intimate, personal way, to share that experience with other people, and then to do it in a direction that, that causes or creates newness in the world around us, redemption, And so, as I've been thinking about this, when we think about the idea of together, if you have been playing along for any measure of time, what I want you to understand is what I mean by together is whenever you interact with another human being, it's as accessible as anything. Whenever you interact with another person, a human being, a conversation, whether it's a long standing relationship that you've had, or perhaps it's just an exchange with someone that you're just now meeting, these, these, interactions, they always have a trajectory. They always move in a particular direction, right? We all know this. If you're just sort of tuning us, this is when we talked about the last few weeks, and if you get anything out of this, what I want for you to understand is that every interaction you have with another person has a trajectory to it. If you don't believe me, whenever you go order your coffee or you go sit down for your meal, when you sit down and you take your, the, the person takes your order, just tell them who you voted for. And you will see how the trajectory of that conversation goes. It would probably be a lot of fun, but we all know that it has a trajectory, everything that we do. And what I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm challenging us as followers of Jesus is that we're going to be the kind of people who take responsibility for the trajectory of those interactions. We're just going to say, we're going to be different. We're going to do things and we're going to be responsible for what we bring to the world around us and the interactions, to the togetherness that We experienced. We spent the last three weeks talking about this, and today I want to talk about what happens when we sort of um, we push against this. To be for the world, to be for the world, everybody has a picture of that, and it varies for as many people as in this room, more than likely, and it varies probably specifically along party lines. There are people who say, when we're for the world, we're about this set of issues, and we're for the world, we're about this set of issues, what I'm telling you is when we talk about being for the world what we are talking about is something fundamentally different because the way most of us think is we think that all the things that we deal with the challenges are problems and the way in which you deal with problems is you create solutions and this creates a system that we exist in and that's how a lot of us think about the world around us the problem the challenge is that the, the world isn't something that has problems the world is fundamentally broken That's different. There's separation. There's brokenness. There is is distance between what we have been intended and created and called to be and what we are and what we experience. There is a brokenness. There is a brokenness that causes us to treat one another the way that we treat one another. There's a brokenness that causes us to be able to be indifferent to things that we ought to feel and be compassionate about. There is a brokenness. And God's solution to this, God's promise in this is not just a solution to a problem, but rather it is the redemption of everything that he has created. And when I say we are for the world, this is what I mean. We are for the world in that what our, the foundation of our vision is God's promise of redemption. There are some things that we will face in our culture that will never ever be solved the way you think, or I think, or wish they would be solved. And what we've got to hope for, what we've got to bank on, is there's something else at work, and that's God's promise of redemption. And what we, as followers of Jesus, what the church is, is we are advocates. You and I live in this world as advocates for every good thing that God has created to be redeemed to the purpose for which God intended it. That's our charge. That's our challenge. That's what happens when we walk with God, when we live with Him together for the world. That's what happens. And what I've been trying to uh, get us to understand, and we're going to just kind of hammer this today, is that redemption, this, this idea here is, and I've been exploring this, I think it's how it's revealed to us in Scripture, but redemption is always relational. It's always relational. You're not going to get redemption for the world, in the world, because of some policy agreement. It's going to be relational. It's going to require you and I getting local and getting personal. We're going to dive into this more next week, but I just want to explain what I mean by this and why this is so important. You got to get local and you got to get personal. You've got, to, you've got to fully buy in to God's promise of redemption, and you've got to get local, and you've got to get personal. If you don't get local, you're going to sort of move away from things. You're going to create distance, and then you'll be removed from any person who struggles with those things. You will just remove those people will create more and more Distance. If you aren't personal, you're going to turn people into objects. You're going to turn people into issues, those issues into objects, and you can do whatever you want to with an object. When you remove someone's humanity, they matter much less than they ought to. And this is the current condition of most of our discourse and dialogue around most every issue. And what God has given us is a way in which we relate to one another. I'm going to write this down just for my own uh, reminding, but when I think about this idea of community, I've tried to say, what happens between people? What should happen? What's God's, what did he intend for us? When we talk about community or, or these relationships like this, I think there are three things. And, and number one is, this space is a relational space where we connect with each other, where God's love, and I'm going to put that up there, God's love, there has to be a source, is exchanged Experienced, and ultimately it gets expressed in the world. You know, like I did all these EX words, it's cool. But you won't forget it. And it starts with this most people come to a point in their lives where they want their lives to change and what you and I as sort of Western uh, Westerners, Americans, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps type of people. Life change is sort of our responsibility to set goals for ourselves and then to execute those goals. And so life change becomes something that you you come to a small group. I'm coming to a small group because you said my life will be changed in a small group. I come to the small group looking for life change. I came to the church looking for life change. And when when your life doesn't change the way you thought it would, you pull away. You say, that didn't work. I'll go find something else. That's most people's approach. The problem is your life is changing. Your life is changing all the time. Every single day, you are becoming someone different than you are today. Your life is always changing. The direction of that change is what's at stake. Are you becoming more like the person that you want to be, that you hope to be? Or are you becoming something else? Are you becoming more cynical? Are you becoming more disheartened? Are you becoming more pulled away, withdrawn from other people? Because you stopped trusting people. You stopped trusting them for whatever reason. You just start pulling away. What's happening? You are changing. As I've been reflecting on this, what I realize, what I believe about this, is that your life change, the direction or the way in which your life changes is, is a result. It is a byproduct of something. It is not a goal for you. Your life change is a result of the relationships that you have. The way in which your life gets shaped and molded is directly related to the relationships that you have in this world, the, res- the relationship you have with God. The relationship you have with one another, the relationship you have with your work, with money, with education, with status, with success, whatever it is, the way in which you relate to the world around you and to God himself will determine the way in which your life is changed. I've been saying this for a long time. I've come to believe this. When I think about what Jesus, and we're going to look at this, what Jesus asked us to do, what he prayed for us, is found in John chapter 17. We've been looking at this over the last A few weeks and I just want to pull one verse out today. I want to read it to you. Let's talk about it and then we'll um, continue on. This idea of community though, I need to make sure that you understand this is not what I'm advocating. This is not about signing up to be, you know, uh, these are your friends for life. Like these are your best friends for life and this is it. Like community isn't like that. Community is not all or nothing. It's something that happens that we experience as we learn how to give of ourselves to other people. And it can happen in the deepest of friendships. It can also happen in a host of other ways. I want to remove some of the mystery from it. But it requires something from us. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying. He says, I pray that my glory will be in them. I pray that they'll be one as we are one. As he's talking about the Father. You know, the Father is you and I are one. I pray that my people will be one. He's praying about this. We've, we've talked about this. And then he says this in verse 8 of John chapter 17. Jesus says, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and they have come to know in truth that I came from you and they believe that you sent me. And and you look at this and you go, okay, we we usually just read on down. We're trying to find the nugget that we can underline and tweet or post. And this just seems to be kind of weird. For I, Jesus, I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them. And he sets up this kind of thing, right? The words that he's given us, what did... What are we to do with them? Jesus gives us his words, and what do we do? We receive them. Jesus gives his words, and we receive them. And we don't really stop and think about what that means. Most of us, we probably think something like this. God gave us the command, and we executed the command. Check. God said, thou shalt not kill. I got mad at my brother, didn't kill him. What a good person I am. Check. Check. Formation is happening. I'm a different person. And most of us think like this. That's not how this thing works. He says he gave us his his words. What does he mean? Does he mean his instructions? No, what he gave us, he gave us his word. He gave us his embodiment. He gave us his message. He gave us his calling. He gave us his purpose. He gave us his heart. And we've received that. So when we receive someone's Glory, someone's fullness, someone's image, what do you think comes out of our lives? The image in which we have received. This has a source. What you exchange has a source. What you bring to a relationship has a source. This past week, I mean, think about this. Most of us still live in what's my problem? I'm a hothead. What's my solution? Here's a verse. I've executed that, check. And we just think problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution. There's something far more at stake. This, yesterday, I got to go and be a part of a, of a, a new organization. Really, it's a new community in, our, in, our, uh, in Wilmington, in our area. And it's called uh, Eden's Village. And, and the design is, or the, the vision is, that it would, be, uh, it would end chronic homelessness in our uh, region. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And what a lot of people think is we think like this, all right? Homelessness is a problem. If you have a homeless person, the solution is a home, check. Here's a person without a house. Here's a house, check, problem solved. The problem is it never works because it's not a problem. The problem isn't that homelessness is a problem. The reality is there's a brokenness. So what this this whole, I love this because we stood on a house yesterday, a single house that is going to house a single person. A human being who has lived on the streets, who has no home, who stands there, and every time someone gets too close to them, instead of looking them in the eye, they look away. Maybe look down and see if there's any food or anything they can give them, but they don't like, they don't look at them as a person. They're like, oh, I don't want to see this person because I don't want to, whatever it might be. And this person's gonna have a home, and not only they're gonna have a home, the whole point of this is we're not just giving them a house. It's not just designed to take someone off the streets and give them a house. You're gonna put them in a place where there's gonna be some resourcing and some help for them. But the most important thing is there's gonna be a home team, a group of people, of human beings like you and me who surround this person. And they go and they sit on the front porch of this person and ask them about their life and their story and they offer something to them and they receive something back. Because this idea that homelessness is a problem to be solved is just to say, if we can get people off the streets, we take pressure off the system. That is such a shallow view of what God intends for humanity. We're not just trying to get them off the street so they don't drain the system. People actually have something to contribute. You and I have to get that vision in our hearts. For students who come in, they struggle and say, this is who I'm like, you are so much more than that. Someone needs to be championing these things for these people, for these students, for people who are sitting in these places that have been defined by their issues and worse as issues by much of our culture. And we got a chance to step in, extend a hand and say, no, you know what? You, need, you, you are an object. You are someone who has been made in the image of God. And the reality that God's love does is it breathes worth and value into the soul of another. This is why Jesus said, you love them the way you have been loved by me. You have got to get that first. I have got to get that first. To let your heart be broken for someone who is on the other side of whatever it is that you're passionate about, let your heart be broken to see a name, to see a story we be willing to extend a hand because what we're talking about is life exchange. This is how people get formed. This is how we become who we're supposed to become. As I began to think about this, when, when I thought about this idea of Eden's village, the, 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 the solution, this is not like, oh, this homeless person has a home. The beauty in this is the relationships that will be formed that communicate dignity to a person and not just resolution to an issue. It's a person. It's a human being for whom God has created and called and designed and made. This this is unbelievably important. Because here's here's the thing. When you come into any relationship, any connection, what I'm saying specifically is that this is the relational space in which God's love is exchanged. Which means first and foremost, I have to be loved by him. I have to receive what he has said about me. He gave me his word. I have received that. Then out of that imagery, out of that reality, I offer and extend that to another human being. That's my posture every time. That's the goal. I can give you so many stories of where I have to check myself in this. All the time. But what I've found is the more I'm willing to sort of step into this, the more my heart begins to be formed or shaped and I find myself being find myself caring, caring in ways that I didn't know that I could care before. We've often said around here, right, your heart will shrink to the size of its greatest concern. And for most of us, our greatest concern is our own little world and our hearts stay so small. And when, you let, it, when you, let your, you, let, you let your eyes, you say, God, let me see your heart. I mean, you, it just does so much for us. So we're exchanging God's love because wherever you draw, right? Wherever you draw, the source from which you draw life from is going to be the thing that you exchange with another. Think about this. Wherever you are pulling your energy, wherever you're pulling your passion, wherever you're pulling whatever sources, wherever you're pulling that from, that's what you're gonna exchange with everybody else. You wanna know why our world's so crazy? Because most of us are living from frustration, we're living from anger, we're living from fear, we're living from all these things that just keep us hesitant. And Instead of saying, no, man, we've been loved like nobody's business. We have been loved with a love that is everlasting, that is unshakable, that is pursuing, that never fails, that bears all things, that believe, we've been pursued with that kind of love. It never runs out. I can, give, I, can, I can freely give that to another person. So here's what we need to do. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, Clay read this earlier. He gave some to the apostles. This is the church. This is why I think we're, this is the hope. We are to be a redemptive force in the world, you and I. And how we operate together is the way I've looked throughout the scriptures. There is no plan B. God's plan for redemption of this world is his church, is us. It's like tag, you're it. It's like this crazy bunch, this crazy bunch, we're it. He gave some the apostles and some the prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You've all heard this for the building up of the body of Christ not to grow and build sanctuaries and fill buildings and count attendants, to build up this body of Christ this force in the world until we all attain till everybody gets it till everybody gets it look around till you get it and you get it and you get it and all you people out there till you get it we're not done we just got to keep working so we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to this maturity, it says mature manhood, mature womanhood, to this maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we are becoming the fullness of his image in this world, of his compassion in this world, of his effect in this world, so that you may no longer be children bounced around by every you know, wave and carried around by winds of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes so that we don't lose our minds all the time. Rather... Speaking the truth in love. Some of you are like, amen, speak the truth in love. If this is your favorite verse, we probably need to talk. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we, we, speaking the truth in love, not you, speaking the truth in love, not they, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ, from whom every single part, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, With which it is equipped. And when each part is properly working, it makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in Hesed, agape, love. The more I see this and the more I read this, and you think, oh, let's get a better system for this. And we need systems, and don't get me wrong, we have great systems here. What you've got to understand, and you've just got to believe it in your toes, redemption is always relational. You and I, or I am going to have to decide to get local, to get personal. You're going to have to decide to get local and personal, and that's, that's where we have to trust one another. To bring what we bring to the people around us, we got to get local, we got to get personal. Too many of us have not experienced the kind of relationships that actually help us, that actually help us not only to be transformed, but to be connected and to become responsible for our witness in the world. I mean, like most of my relationships have been like about helping me get better at being me, but really include me or involve me or pull me in to, being a, to bearing witness and to actually acting on our culture in a redemptive way. If if what I just read in in, in Ephesians is true, the very health, the success of our redemptive efforts rides on our ability or willingness to develop and to enter into healthy relationships, to exchange with one another, to both take what we have been given and to avail it and then to receive from others, both of those things. We often let frustration and anger pull us away from one another. We allow discord to grow in this soil of distrust that just keeps us more distant and further and further and further removed from one another. And then our compassion just gets leveraged in sort of addressing issues without ever having to extend a hand to a person. So I want to invite you to practice Number one, maybe today, tonight, I guess if you're just starting the journey on my one word, you can have a couple extra days, but pick a word. Because it's going to sort of give you a glimpse of what kind of person I want to become. Pick a word and then tell someone about that word. You know why? Because you go up to someone that's a friend of yours and you say, hey, man, my word is patience. They're going to say, why'd you pick that word? Well, you know, because I'm a really patient person. I just think I need to go a bit better at patience. It's going to be really, really, really good. Now you're going to tell them like some struggle you're having. You're going to tell them something that caused you to pick the word, something that happened, some story. You're going to let them in. You're going to exchange. You're going to offer something to them. and They're going to look at you and go, oh, yeah, I have a similar story. I've struggled with things too. Here's my story. And you realize you're actually sharing some things and you're experiencing things. I did a funeral a few years ago for a guy who'd been in a riding club. He rode uh, bikes with this group for almost 10 years died of a heart attack. I was doing the funeral. I sat down with all these guys and said, tell me what you know about your friend. We know what kind of stocks he had. We know what football team he liked. And we know where he lived. 10 years. That's it. You know, he likes the Panthers. You don't know what his fears were. You don't know what he cared about. You don't, know, you don't know what bothered him. You don't know what moved him. You don't know what his struggles were. You don't know what his sin patterns were. You don't know those things. Like how to, at some point, we've got to be willing to step into these things. You've got to have these kind of conversations. And it takes practice. It takes practice. Part of the reason we do groups the way that we do here is so you can practice. We have groups that are going to be meeting in just a couple of weeks. They're like six to eight weeks long. So the great thing is you come and go, man, these people are kooky. You only eat six weeks and you're out. You can find another group of kooky people. But it's, 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 it's available. And do we just say, what am I going to bring to this? What am I going to bring to this? So we're going we're gonna to close with this kind of declaration of prayer. And as you do, want to reflect on these two questions, maybe three. Two for sure. I believe that whatever we become together, what we become together is not going to be based on how well we lead the church. It's not gonna be based on how clear our mission and vision is, although we have worked really hard to make that so, but ultimately what we become is what you and I are willing to take responsibility for. That's what we'll be. That's what we'll be, every single person in here. And I'll tell you, the stakes are high. The two families that I'm talking about, this is not going away in two weeks or two months, and if someone isn't with them every step of the way, the trajectory's not good. For some of you in here, that's your story. You've been struggling alone for far too long, and you feel so much shame and guilt that if you were somehow a better Christian, you wouldn't struggle with what you're struggling with. And what you need is not to get better. You don't need another message. You need to let someone take your hand and extend God's love for you. What is at stake is that you actually have something to contribute. It's not because you want to get better or be a better person. You actually have something that matters that you can offer because God might choose to love another person through you. And this matters more than you can know. So when I wanna leave you these two questions. Number one is what is the trajectory of your relationships? How do they go? This is not hard to predict. How are they going? Your friendships? And then number two is what is your contribution to that trajectory? What are you doing that either keeps it in its current state Or what are you bringing to perhaps offer something different? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should have, should not not perish, but have everlasting life, should have this life we've been promised. And when Jesus prayed, he said, I've given you my words and they received them. And I think he expects you and I to bear that image on the world around us. You love others the way you have been loved. There is more at stake than you might imagine. Father, as we close today, my hope is that we would see something, that our defenses, our justifications, all the things that we use to keep ourselves at bay would just be kind of dissipate, that would be broken down. Whether it's shame, whether it's guilt, whether it's fear, whether it's just we're sick and tired of the chaos that we're living in. It would just dissipate. and We would find ourselves in your presence, hearing you call. Your words given to us, would we receive them and trust them? Would we allow you to love us the way we are loved? Would we receive that from you? And so, Father, I pray as we do that that it wouldn't just be something to help us go, ah, I feel better. Now my life is a little different. Rather, the life change, the formation that you do in us actually becomes an extension of your love for the world around us with the people that are right in front of us. So, God, we just offer this to you to say we are available. And I ask all of this in of your son, Jesus, who is our king.